Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along, check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax, and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man you may have seen in the Daily Express. It's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Oh, I love to see you. Thank you for coming. Welcome to the show. Uh, welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. I was talking to Hoss from Bonanza the other day. Thought I'd put something for the old guy. Remember that? Remember the Bonanza, Dave? That's fine. Thought I'd do something for the older people. Remember Hoss from Bonanza? He calls it Rallist, but I would do if he hadn't died in 1972. So I... Curse of Bonanza. Uh, yeah, I, I was in the Daily Express this the week of recording. Um, uh, it was uh, my face uh, next to just a giant image of a man just holding his balls like that. So all my dreams come true. That's what I just always hoped. That's, that's the paper my grandma and granddad used to get. They would never have dreamt one day my, my smiling face and my going... I mean, I had thought there might be a story like that eventually, but it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't what happened. Uh, it wasn't what happened before. Uh, okay, and uh, just like our final uh, Kickstarter dimension, 
um, is, uh, this is a backer, paid a lot of money for this, uh, it's from Crispin, who says, we will now observe a minute's silence to get maximum impact for my money. Um, <laughs> well, I'm prepared to give it a go. I haven't set the timer. Let me wait. We haven't started yet. I don't, can't even work out how to do the timer. There's a clock there. No. Okay. Fuck it. I can't. <laughs> can't, work, can't work out how to set the timer. Let's try. I'll do it for a bit. See how, see how long it gets before it gets awkward. Yeah, come on. Have some respect for Crispin, guys. Everyone's got to be quiet. Or it's not going to work. Yeah, it's not going to work. So, uh, is it, if you do that on the radio, if you leave enough of a gap on the radio, then they, they, the emergency broadcasting kicks in. I'm not sure. So I don't want that to happen. I don't want you to end up getting off menu or something by mistake coming in. So thank you, Crispin. It didn't work. It didn't work. Um, I was in a Starbucks in Hitchin this week. That's how, that's how I live. Uh, and I was disappointed in Starbucks in Hitchin. I went to the toilet. Uh, and the toilet, it's a unisex toilet, anyone can go in there, it's all fine. Uh, uh, but they have one of the, they have the crescent-shaped toilet seat in there. Do you know what I mean by that? It's where there's a little bit cut out near this end, so that a, if, a, if someone with a penis wants to urinate without lifting the seat, they can, the idea is they can urinate through that little, that little gap. <laughs> you don't see them very often anymore, because they don't work. It relies... <laughs> It relies on accuracy, and uh, uh, but only those with a pe- you know, anyone who knows who has a penis will know that they overestimate their ability to shoot straight as it is. And having one of those it encourages people to try. That's what I would say. And we shouldn't be encouraged. What they should be doing is encouraging men to either lift the seat or sit down when you urinate. If you're our age, right, David? Sit down when you urinate. <laughs> Because it'll go everywhere. So I, was very, I just want to say to uh, Starbucks in Hitchin, sort yourself out. That's, uh, I'm just using my, my powers <laughs> to do that. Is that all I've got? That might be all I've got. Right, so let's, let's crack. <laughs> that literally it. I suppose it would have been a minute longer if I'd had a timer for my... All right, my guest this week. Look, we've had a lot of people, uh, a lot of the stars from Robbie the Reindeer, Close Encounters of the Herd kind... On this show, a lot, but we have never had Robbie the Reindeer. And this week we've got him. He's best known for that. He was also, of course, uh, the gentleman from East Chiswick in Mole Flanders. That's why. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Will you please welcome the amazing Arlo Hanlon, ladies and gentlemen? That's Arlo Hanlon. Robbie the Reindeer. He's literally Robbie the Reindeer. Hello. Sit down. Robbie the reindeer. Robbie the reindeer. <laughs> how, did, how did you feel when you got the uh, the Robbie the reindeer gig? Do you the, remember the call I, coming I, through? I, I realised I had arrived. Uh, <laughs> and what a cast! I don't mm. know if you remember. I mean, I don't remember myself. But <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I just I know I've it picked it a lot of times. A lot of just basically everyone who's anyone has been Robbie, yeah. and Robbie the reindeer. Yeah, and that's the third one. Closing kites of the herd. Yeah. No, I was in the first. You're in all of them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think. Yeah. Thank you. There was was was, was a very uh, successful franchise. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
What about uh, Mole Flanders? Could you remind me of you know everything else that I've done <laughs> in my career? Uh, That's three films of Robert. Mole Flanders Mal was Flanders. actually one of the most embarrassing uh, things I've ever done in my life. Uh, Mole <laughs> Flanders, um, you know the book, the Daniel Defoe novel, and there was a movie version made of that. It was ill-fated. I don't even know if it was ever released. Okay. Uh, but Robin Wright played the main character, um, and she was great. And uh, Morgan Freeman. You know Morgan Freeman, he played yeah. her assistant, her trusty assistant, her kind of gatekeeper, um, you know, for any, any rowdy behavior by the, by the clients um, uh, would, would, would be turfed out. So I played a client. So I was in it for all of like 10 seconds. <laughs> uh, so I basically throw a coin disdainfully on, on the bed at the, end, at the end of the encounter. Okay. And it was the first time I was ever in a movie of any sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I the director kept saying to me, find the light. And I didn't know the terminology at the time, to find the light, which means stand in the light. And I didn't know what he was saying. And uh, I, I, uh, so I kept saying, stand here, where, What's he, what does he mean? Find the light. And eventually Morgan Freeman, who was in the scene, said, find the fucking light. <laughs> so I was scolded by Morgan Freeman. Wow. Uh, which I guess is a claim to fame of sorts. It is, pretty good. Did you work along to get the accent right to be from East Chiswick, or did you work on that? Uh, I didn't have any lines. Didn't have any lines. It, was just, uh, it was just a toss of a coin. Why were you called the gentleman from East Chiswick? <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very long... Moll Flanders was a, was a high-class uh, yeah. courtesan, is that the word? Yeah. And um, her clientele were, were, were all gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so specific. Or, Chiswick yeah. isn't even that big. Yeah. Just Chiswick would do, right? Oh. East Chiswick. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I had bandy legs, I think. That was, that's, what, <laughs> that's what... Well, it's lovely to see you. Uh, and uh, to get you on... We've had you on the Edinburgh version of this, but you've never done the, the London version. And so it's fantastic yeah. to have you here. Um, there's so much okay. to talk to you about. I've been enjoying you on Taskmaster. Ah, uh, yes. How, how have you found the... T- I mean, we can't talk about it too much because only two episodes no. have been out. We don't want to give away any secrets. Um, but I, I was the champion of my series, so... And I'm guessing from the first well, two episodes that you're not the champion of your series. So that's my, that's my I, call. Richard, it's... Uh, surely, surely, it's, it's too early to say. It is too early um, to say. You know, uh, have you ever seen Cool Runnings? <laughs> How did you find it? Did you enjoy the experience? It's a pretty amazing experience. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a truly amazing once-in-a-lifetime experience. Yeah. Um, and it's the kind of thing that I would have shied away from traditionally over the years. Like, you know, I just didn't think I'd be any good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I was right. Um, but I, I, I didn't think I'd enjoy it. You know, I, you know I, I, I kind of, I'm kind of shy about being myself and things, actually. Um, but I was trapped in Dublin for well over a year uh, uh, during the various lockdowns, and uh, I absolutely jumped at it. It was my first time getting away from Dublin in well over a year, and we filmed it last summer in London. We did all the tasks, and it's the kind of thing, like, I, I, would, I would pay to do, frankly. Yeah. It's just, you know, it just brings out the inner child, and, and you're just, you, you know... And, like, I'm a little bit uptight uh, normally. And, and, and as a stand-up, you're very much in control. And as a writer, you're in control. And, and, and as an actor, you're in control to a, to a large extent. Uh, but 
Here, there is no safety net. Right. You, you're, so, it, so for me, for someone like me, it's actually really liberating. And I don't know if this is, that was just a kind of a consequence of, of, of being in lockdown for so long. But it was, uh, it, 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 was, it was pure freedom. It was like, honestly, it was the most joyful working experience I think I've ever had. Yeah, you know, it, it really is. It's a fantastic team that work on it, I think. So when you, you treat it incredibly well, I think by all, they know what they're doing. All the behind-the-scenes people are just so yeah. fantastic, I think, in it as well. Uh, but obviously, Alex and uh, Greg as well are terrific. And it's just lovely to watch them in action as yeah. well. And the, other, the people I'm with are just amazing, you know, and they're great fun. And from, like, from the first moment we, we met... Of course, you don't really meet till you get into the studio. Uh, you know, I think we just clicked, and, and, and it's very hard to fake like a competitiveness with people that you're getting on really well with. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. But did you because well, that's what that's how it started for us, and then it got quite competitive. Yeah. I mean, if I'm in yeah. the middle of it, it's going to be competitive. Yeah. Daisy May Cooper was very competitive <laughs> <laughs> and quite scary, <laughs> and we haven't stayed yeah. being friends. I wouldn't say. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, everyone else who'd done tasks said, yeah, we're on a WhatsApp group, we hang yeah. out and do... No. 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 Not, not me, anyway. Not, yeah. Maybe the rest get together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was, look, I, was, I was looking at your early career and I, I'd, I'd spotted that you won the uh, Hackney Empire New Act of the Year yes. Award in 1994. Do you remember, yeah. do you remember that? You, do, you, you co-won it. With an act called yeah. Wara. Wara, yeah. I do you remember? remember Wara. Uh, what, I do. do you know what happened to Wara? I don't know. He had some really nice material though, but yeah. he, he didn't. I don't think he was still doing it. Like within a year or two. I remember him going to Edinburgh, and then that's the yeah. He sort of was a bit of a splash in yeah. Edinburgh. Then... And, I, and I think I think Ricky Grover was in that oh, competition, really? who yeah. was brilliant. Yeah, one of my favorite comics, East End comic. Yeah. It's fabulous. Um, yeah. It's an interesting competition. Uh, in the year that Daniel Kitson did it, it was won by a guy called Anton. <laughs> he won, Daniel Kitson came second, and Paul Sinhar came third. Wow. Don't know what happened to Anton. <laughs> He's like, I think you'd retire, wouldn't you, if you beat, you beat Daniel Kitson yeah. and then you had to the Euro. Yeah, well, exactly. For some people, that is, is the pinnacle of, the, of, the, of their career. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you got you were pretty successful. I mean, you you came to London in about 1994, didn't you? So it was yeah. the year you came, and the, it was pretty much success straight away. You well, won no, that competition. Yeah, not, not really. No, I mean, yeah. No, I'd done a few things in Ireland, like like Mall Flanders, and a few little a few little things like that. I mean, the very last thing I did in Ireland before I left was actually uh, crime reconstruction. <laughs> <laughs> So there was a show in, on, in Ireland on, on RT, the national channel, called Crime Line. And um, so I was asked to play a sort of a small-time drug dealer uh, who, who gets shot in the back of the legs. And um, so I turned up and, like, you know, I, I was dressed completely inappropriately for the job. I had this kind of blouse on me. You know, it was, I looked ridiculous. I, I remember distinctly a wine-coloured sort of collarless shirt billowing in the in the breeze <laughs> ridiculous and um so th- so the idea was that uh uh two two lads jumped out of a van and shot me in the back of the legs and and you know and i went <laughs> and uh the director actually took me aside and uh, he said you know that's a bit over the top <laughs> like, <laughs> i was absolutely gutted i thought he was coming over to tell me you know good job like very realistic you yeah. know very naturalistic good man keep it up but no it was it was it was like you know how could that be over the top 
How does he know what it's like if you're in the shot in the back of the legs? That's probably what you go, rah. I definitely yeah. go, rah. Yeah. That happened to me. Definitely. But I just knew I had to get out of there. Like that, yeah. was, that was really the only work available in, in Dublin at the time. So to come yeah. over to London, 1994, do, do stand-up. And stand-up was really hopping at that time. Yeah. Uh, really, really taken off in, 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 in a big way. And the kind of people who were on the circuit was Lee Evans and... Uh, Eddie Izzard, Jack D, and, and, and you know, you'd be on the same bill as these guys, and it was really exciting. And, uh, and, then, and then you were kind of funneled towards these competitions like the Hackney Empire competition. And there was another one, the Ha, Bloody Ha, yes. Spitting Image, New Act of the Year right. as well, <laughs> which I won. <laughs> Beat that, Taskmaster. <laughs> Did you get a big version of someone's head as a result? Of no, you didn't. No, I got a, I got a photocopied uh, piece of paper. Uh, yeah. But you were... So what was your stand-up that you were doing? Was it... Because was, you obviously got picked up for Father Ted pretty quickly from that year. Were you doing... Was, was, was the persona on stage... Was it, was, it, was it like Father Dougal or was it... Yeah. I was wondering how long it would take you yeah. to get to Father Dougal. But, yeah. uh, <clears throat> I'm going to talk about it briefly um, for the next half an hour. No. <laughs> I'm, I want to get onto Death in Paradise, mate. I'm, yeah, I'm going to rush through sure. this. Uh, uh, it was a, I suppose it was a bit Dougalish. My, my standard persona at the time was kind of like very, oh, you know, kind of bewildered, um, you know, kind of saying, I hope, like kind of astute things about the world and human behaviour, but like... Um, I suppose playing a kind of a, a very blank-faced, sort of wide-eyed, maybe, um, kind of persona or something. Uh, yeah. Kind of hiding behind that persona, frankly, because, like, I was terrified of being on stage and, you know, kind of shy as well. So yeah. to have a kind of, that kind of armory, you know, even, you know, a persona, I mean, that's... That well, helps. I've read about you that you hate show-off, you hate show-offs, but you love showing off. That is sort of... But, but part of the ethos behind you. Because you, you are quite a shy person in real life. But so what yeah. what attracted you to to doing stand up which I can understand because I'm the same but yeah. what what attracted you to to do to do comedy in front of I don't know of it was kind of like maybe an overreaction to that you yeah. know being being quite shy and sort of you know always wanting to say things or express yourself or comment on something but just just holding back all the time and then you get to a certain age where it just all bursts out of you you know it kind of just comes out in a big splurge then and and I think for me that was going to university and d- debating and you know, just putting myself out there and, yeah. you, you, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, it, and it, you know, if it didn't work, I wouldn't do it, but it, it was working, so I just kept doing it. Yeah. And do you feel, in a way, because I know, you know, I, th- I know you're a stand-up at heart and you've carried on doing stand-up and you're still doing stand-up. Was the Father Ted gig, as, as amazing as it was, was, was it a bit of a, a, a sort of albatross around your neck in terms of when you were going back on stage? Was it, were, were people expecting... Well, only in a tiny way, yeah. I would say. Um... I suppose I, I just wasn't really ready like to be catapulted into the kind of theatre touring environment. You know, yeah. I was comfortable in the clubs and I had my 20 minutes, you know, uh, half an hour at a push. And suddenly, you know, after Father Ted goes out in Channel 4 and it's popular and, you know, people think, oh, you need to think about a tour. And so I, I think I think I just was rushed into that a little bit. Yeah. And then there's the expectation factor where people, I suppose, they only know you as this character in, in, in Father Ted. So perhaps some of them were coming along expecting to see some variation of that. Now, yeah. you know, I looked like him and I sounded a bit <laughs> like him, but that's kind of where the comparison ended. You know, yeah. uh, I, I think my material was, 
was 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 kind of different. I mean, it was you know it's still coming from a similar area, like slightly surreal and you know I suppose reason you know gentle enough in its own way. But yeah. um, I mean, ninety minutes of Father Dougal on his own probably would well, be too work. much. I mean, you know. <laughs> You know, Dougal needs the other characters, yeah. you know, around him as well. Uh, uh, you know, there was there was often talk about doing a Ted touring show, uh, which I think we all just didn't want anything to do with that, really. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, so, so, I mean, like, what I was doing at the time was, like, your bog-standard contemporary London comedy, you know? Yeah. So I just think it was, it was just a bit different than what people might have been expecting. But course, to be honest yeah. with you, like, another way of answering your question is, is, is no, it didn't bother me at all. <laughs> I like to have two different answers. We'll just choose which one, the best one to put out. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not, but it, it's often the way that someone you see someone discovered very quickly, and it's not always the best thing for for them in terms of like being a stand-up necessarily. If you exactly what you're saying, you know, if you if you go from doing twenty minutes to suddenly being yeah. a household name, it's yeah. kind of hard then to make that leap forward. If yeah. you've had an, if you'd had another five years to do the circuit, yeah. and really nail down what you were doing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's not how it works. Is it? I think, you know... You, no, no, you take your opportunities when they come along. Yeah, like, yeah. I, like, I can't tell you that, like, you know, doing, doing my crime reconstruction <laughs> uh, in Ireland, doing one gig maybe every two months. Um, like, I, I didn't leave Ireland until I was 28. Right. So I did a lot of arsing around, you know, so I was yeah. quite ready for whatever London was going to throw at me. The other big job I did in my last week in Ireland in 1994 was uh, I got a job flogging cognac in suburban pubs. Right. So I had to dress up as a butler, possibly from East Chiswick. <laughs> uh, they gave me this big spiel to learn off about the history of the product. It was Hennessy cognac, you know, yeah. uh, which had an Irish connection back in the mists of time. And to go out there to pubs and like do this big spiel for people and give them a sample of cognac, and the really lucky ones got one of those lovely uh, cognac glasses. Oh, nice! Uh, but of course, like within minutes, people were just going, "Just pour the fucking brandy!" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that was the kind of thing you had to do to get by in Dublin, you know, yeah. uh, uh, as a comic. So because um, there wasn't like a big comedy scene where there was a, there was very no, few clubs. There was the... maybe two or three clubs. Yeah. So there's other other jobs. I've, according to I think IMDb, so this might not be true. You, did you work as a pig farmer? Well, I was surrounded by pig farms growing up, okay. and, I, I, and I did spend a lot of time with the pigs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it says you, were, uh, you worked in a Norfolk pea canning factory. Absolutely true. Okay. King's Lynn. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she was there. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, that was that was um, that's just after I did my leaving certificate, which is like your A levels. I just packed, uh, sent you know, just came over to England for the summer um, because there were, there were these there was this kind of work to be had yeah. in Norfolk. <laughs> <laughs> so why Norfolk? I really don't know. But but funny, uh, Bob Geldof actually worked in the same canning factory about fifteen years earlier. So, okay, mm-hmm. so it's a lot of mm-hmm. alumni of the canning factory. Yeah. There's something, was there something in the peas? That... Yeah, yeah, something there. Something <laughs> Any there. funny stories about canning oh, peas? Oh, no. Did, it, did, the machi- did the machine ever go wrong and peas went everywhere? No, 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 no. I lived in a tent for the summer. Right. Through, and uh, lived on samphire, which was a local delicacy, which huh? 
No pee. You didn't need, did no you get food, three just peas? Empire. No pee. No. You, well, I, I, I got the cans, but I didn't have an opener. <laughs> Was it? Is it like working in a chocolate factory? That you know, the first few days you're just digging and eating the yeah, peas, yeah, yeah. and you think, oh, I've had enough peas. I'm sick of <laughs> sick of eating peas now. <laughs> Um, you worked as a check-in clerk for Aer Lingus. Mm-hmm. How, did, how was that? Well, it was, it was as you'd expect. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. I've never done, I've never been a so, check-in clerk. Um, well, it wasn't a bad job. No. I mean, I, I, it, was, like, it was a very good job by, by, by the standards of the day. Like, it, was, it, was a, it was a reasonably well-rewarded job. And I remember in those days, uh, you didn't check in online, obviously, so you met everyone who was getting on the plane. So you could, um, you could do good stuff. Like, for example, if you met a really nice, let's say, man who, who, was, very, who was very friendly, yeah. and uh, you, I would take a note of his seat number, and if a very nice lady, perhaps, came along oh. later on, I would, I would make sure she was sitting beside him, and, and so on. Yeah. And likewise, if I met a... <laughs> honestly, this is how, how you'd pass the day. Like, it was boring. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise, if you met an objectionable person, someone yeah. who was like you know very important and and, and very busy and, and very dismissive of of, of 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 the minion serving them, yeah. I would make sure that they were in the middle seat, yeah. and you know beside a smelly person or something, you know. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> right by the toilet. And you could also misdirect the baggage, and 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 <laughs> you absolutely could. And so it what... did happen because you just had the. You just had the tags for each destination. Right. So you could, you could put any tag on it. And... <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you may have unknowingly created relationships. I hope from, so. And, you know, and children that yeah. may owe their lives to you. Yeah. You're playing God on yeah. the Aer Lingus. I know. <laughs> Service to humanity. <laughs> Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Now, is this true? This is that last thing I'm going to ask you about Father Ted. Did you spend six months in the seminary <laughs> researching your role? <laughs> this is what it says. I think, again, IMDB, but it yeah. might be Wikipedia. Did no, you spend that is six not months? True. That is not true. <laughs> I didn't spend an hour in a seminary. <laughs> nor would I. Um, no. That is simply untrue. There's a quote of you saying that... N- does, it, n- does it really look like I did that much? I know what I was going to say. If you did, what was the point? <laughs> <laughs> there's a quote of you saying that 90% of the people who worked, who were in the seminary, were like Father Dougal. Is that just entirely... Is that you messing around? Probably messing around. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Good. <laughs> Good, that's all I want to say. I have been... I, have, I, I, I was mistaken for a priest on a few occasions. Yes. There was, there was one, uh, it was before the series was well known, so it would have been maybe during the filming of the first series. And uh, I was wandering around in my priest costume uh, around the shops at lunchtime. And I was in a shoe shop <laughs> admiring the shoes. And, uh, and a man came over to me, the, sh- the, the salesman came over to me and he said, you know, take whatever you want, Father. <laughs> uh, it's on the house. Did you take it? Lovely pair of dogs. <laughs> Um, all right, I want to talk... Well, actually, I was going to talk... This, is, this predates this. Uh, you, were, you were in a sketch group called Mr. Trellis... Yes. ...in 1990 at the Edinburgh Fringe. That's right, yeah. H- how, was, how was that? With Barry Who... Murphy and Kevin Gildee. Oh, cool, wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was great. I mean, we, 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 that's, that's, that's how I started in this sketch group in, in, in Dublin. Uh, really funny stuff. Uh, Barry wrote most of it. Um, things like... We would play three synchronized swimmers doing impressions of famous movies. <laughs> so it was basically the three of us with pegs on our nose. You know, I can't, oh, I can't remember the films like Gorillas in the Mist, and we'd sort of squint. And, you know, it was, it, yeah, you'd have to be there. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mr. Trellis is kind of, it's a, if, if that had turned out to be a big success, it's kind of a, a, a name that would have haunted you, I think, Mr. Trellis. It's a kind of yeah. very sketch show name. Yeah, it is really. Uh, I think the name, there is a character in one of the Flan O'Brien books in A Swim Two Birds called Dermot Trellis. Okay. I think, and I think that's probably where it came from because uh, that's probably the kind of thing we were reading at the time. Okay. But um, yeah, it is a very sketch group name. But uh, we, never, we never fulfilled our potential. I mean, honestly, no. we, were, we, were, we weren't bad no. at all. And before, like, there was a real vogue for sketch groups in, in, in Edinburgh where the sketch groups are winning Perriers and things like that. Like, we, were, we were nearly there. Yeah. Uh, well, there, it was very... Well, I'd, I'd been it was the doing, League of Gentlemen who were the first... Yeah, kind well, of they, they were the late 90s. So yeah. I'd done student co- sketch shows in the late 80s, which was the worst possible time to do sketches. Right. And the worst format and the worst place to be doing it. And, you know, people hated, <laughs> hated student <laughs> sketch groups. Uh, and then we did a show in 91, I think, called The Dumb Show with Steve Cook and Patrick Marber, Stuart Lee, Simon Munnery yeah. and me, which, yeah. again, nobody came. It was the year Steve won the Perrier for his yeah. other show. Yeah. But no one came to, to see it at all, really. So it, was this, it wasn't t- the sketch show's time. It wasn't time, we just yeah. missed, we missed time just ahead of, ahead of the Yeah, ahead of the curve. Um, but also, Edinburgh-related, you played Coconut Tam in uh, <laughs> Greyfriars Boppy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a glittering career. Who's a real? He's uh, a real character, right? Coconut Tam. That's Coconut Tam was a real character in Victorian Edinburgh. Right. Um, he well known. Uh, uh, he was. He had a hunch. He he he, he was um, big, big bushy beard. There are photographs of him. 
Okay. Uh, so this was this was the adventures of Greyfriars Fryer, Bobby, you know, yeah. the, the, this Scottish folk tale. I do know it. And it was a really good film. It was actually a really, really good film. I mean, Coconut Town was only in it a little bit, but a uh, great cast again. Christopher, it Christopher Lee was Christopher in it. Christopher Lee, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember filming in a graveyard uh, in Stirling, I think it was, minus 15, <laughs> uh, with the mist, like, genuinely swirling around like it was an artificial mist and, and Christopher Lee walking towards me. That, that was kind of exciting. <laughs> <laughs> because you were, you were a comedy fan right before you were a comedian. So, and you've got to work... I mean, I know you like the young ones and you got to work with yeah. uh, Nigel Planer. Nigel quite Planer recently. and Aid Edmondson. Have you? Yes, in yeah. both in Death they and Paradise. They both turned up in Death and Paradise, really different nice. series. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. yeah. Was, and, that was the best thing about Death and Paradise was, right. the, was, was the guest cast. You never knew who was going to... Yeah. What was, what was bad about... I mean, I, I was telling you backstage, I've watched every single episode of Death in Paradise. God, you're so unfashionable. Every, all, all the different, you know, all the different incarnations. Yeah. They regenerate, like Doctor Who. Yeah. You all do it for about... Hearts. You all do it for about two years, and then you all get fed up and leave. Yeah. What's the true story? Because you go, oh, I wanted to go back and do stand-up. It sounds like the best possible acting job in the world that you go to six months to the Caribbean yeah. to film what why didn't you stay doing that job forever Ardor? Um <laughs> I solved 20 murders yeah that's more than enough for any person in, in their lifetime it was just dangerous frankly out there uh, right no um uh, I think all the all the all the various detectives would tell you that it's um, it's just very demanding. I mean, like it sounds churlish to say that, but but uh, and it, and it's and it's brilliant. It was brilliant, and it was it was life enhancing, and it was life changing in many ways. I mean, you know, to live that lifestyle for four summers was was incredible, um, and 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 memorable, and and every day was, you know. Um, like like memorable in, in 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 lots of ways, but it was just like demanding. Like I can't describe to you just the, you know, you don't sleep for six months. It's right. it's you know you've got f- frogs making noises. <laughs> what are, what's a, what does a frog make? Chirrup. Ch- uh, no, 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 that's a, that's a bird. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, croaking, croaking, and um, uh, you've got crickets chirping, yeah. and you have um, you have wild dogs savaging wild chickens, and you have. You know, fan wearing. Did they not put you in a hotel? (laughs) (laughs) Were you in a tent again? Were you in your B B tent? Yeah, I'm a very outdoorsy type. uh, (laughs) But it was just—it was just that kind of like constant. You know, there was always something killing something else. Yeah. You know, and uh, um, it was—it was just—and and and the heat was so excessive, and the humidity. Like you were always wet. You were always like. Well, you have to wear a suit and stuff, don't you, as the English Yeah, you do. And, like, between takes, you would have to take off your clothes. Like, I'm talking every 15 minutes, you would have to strip down and you would have (laughs) to be dried by someone. (laughs) (laughs) Like, which was bad for me. It was worse for them. But, I mean, (laughs) I'm just, like, like, people find it hard, you know, like, guest actors love it because they come out for two weeks. Yeah. And they lie on the ground, you know, for, for a few hours every day. And then, you know, they, they drink cocktails by the pool. So it's fantastic. It's like winning so a competition for the them. The best thing you could do is be the person who gets murdered, Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you do one scene. You have one day of filming. <laughs> and you're there for two weeks. It's yeah, great. Okay. But that's what I'm angling for. I would just, that's what... 
Yeah. You know, I could be the next once uh, Ralph Little gets fed up. And he's not going to yeah. get fed up. Is he? He's going to. He loves no, it. He loves it. He, he loves it. it out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, but no, it, it, there's an awful lot to love, and the lifestyle was great. And just to learn about the history of the place, and you know, the, you know, the horrific history of, of of the place in lots of ways, and to really immerse yourself in this culture for for months at a time. Mm-hmm. You know that's a, that's a rare privilege, and, and you know, and, and, and I wouldn't knock that side of it. But you know, as an actor, you you're you're in every scene as the, as playing the lead detective. Uh, you're working five, six days a week, twelve hours a day. Um, you know, it's very, very demanding. Mm-hmm. And it's the same show every week. It's, well. the, it's the same. It's the exact same show. It's the same script. It's exactly the same. It's it's someone falls off a balcony and. <laughs> And there's always four people who could possibly do it. Yeah, I know. I, I, I didn't even have to read the script. So I <laughs> if I was going to do a murder at the, out there, in there, I'd just shoot someone. Yeah. Just, I'd shoot them and then that'd yeah. be it. No, don't try any funny... Same with Jonathan Creek, which we might talk about next. Don't try any funny business, then someone's going to work out. Yeah. How, did this, how did this murder take place in this locked yeah. room? Yeah. Don't do that. But I mean, you know, you, you watch it, um, yeah. or so you say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what is the pleasure for you? Like why? <laughs> I don't know. I say I I I genuinely love it. I but I but I, it's like it's 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 very. I can understand why it's maybe got a slightly older audience, which I'm now. You know, yep. certainly part of. It's very. It's beautiful. It looks gorgeous. You can have it on in the background. You don't have to concentrate. <laughs> yes. Because you've you can, seen. You can go. You can one, go for a little nap and. <laughs> Come back, and I'll still be at that fucking blackboard. <laughs> you know the first person. He's saying it over and over again. Yeah. It's not going to be the first person. It's, I think it's. I think it's. It's very. And you get. It's amazing. The casts are amazing. Exactly because of that. Because it's. I remember, in fact, Rebecca. When Rebecca Front did it, was oh, one yeah. of yours, wasn't it? And she's. And she's such an amazing actor. She's just I was, brilliant. I was meant to be going round to her house for dinner. She said, "I can't do it. You can't come. I'm going to work on Death in Paradise." And I was cross for two reasons. And I haven't been invited back either. That's the thing with her. Yeah. It's going to go round. But you know, that's. It's. 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 It's, it's, a, it's a good show. It's a good show. You should go. Would you go back for? A, I don't know. I mean, you, you never say never. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, mm, I, no. no, I don't. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I, I heard you were going to write a memoir about your time, <laughs> your time on this. I think true? I jokingly said that oh, on a radio show, but I actually think, uh, I, actually think I, I probably signed something in my contract saying I'm not allowed to talk about it for about <laughs> 10 years, okay. so I probably shouldn't even be talking about it now. Okay. Um, I know. Look, it was, it was absolutely great, but, like, you know, it's... it's um, I, you know, I really do want to write that, <laughs> uh, but not for another ten years. Well, let's talk about you. Well, seeing we're talking about writing, you have just your second novel is coming out. Yes, I it's... write a novel every twenty years. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So you did a novel in nineteen ninety-eight, mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah, twenty, 20 a quarter of a century later, we've got come up with uh, it's called Brouhaha. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and like it's it's really uh, unexpected. When I I didn't know what quite to expect, but it's a I mean, that, that's, this is going to sound rude now. <laughs> I was going to go, it's unexpected because it's really brilliantly written. No. Oh. <laughs> oh. But Thank you. It's sort of not. I mean, it, it's, it's funny. There's, and it's, there's abs- so are you thought that like, there was going to be just loads of like... <laughs> it's, but, it, you know, like I was saying to you backstage, that it's often I read someone's book and if it's a novel, I've got that, I've got, if I know the person, I'm sort of reading it with them in mind. But within a, a chapter or two of this, I'd sort of forgotten... That you, it was written by you. It's, it's, it's sort of, you know, it, it's not 
It's who not did, a comedy who, who exactly, think, is it? Who did you think wrote it then? Samuel I just it Beckett. felt like Raymond Chandler had written or yeah. someone like that. It, you know, it's it's a real proper gritty uh, mystery crime sort of, and, and it's about you know it's a observations of society. There's funny stuff in there, but it's not it's not like an ostensibly a funny novel. Yeah. It, it's, well, it's I think it's kind of like blackly humorous. Yeah. I mean, it's set in the border region. Of Ireland, where where which you could char- which would be characterised as a place where there's you know there's a very deadpan tone, there is that kind of black humour, yeah, um, you know because it's a bor- it's border territory, it's it's people are people are kind of you know quiet and 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 um, you know you are careful about what to say and you know so everything is kind of a nod and a wink and 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 um, you know it's, uh, it's so i was definitely trying to capture some of that atmosphere that i yeah. i grew up with i come from that part of the world as well well it feels i mean it's a very light touch to it i think in terms mm. of that you it's not smashing you over the head with that but you're getting the you know you're getting the culture of the society and mm. through through it all it's it's really it's a very impressive novel i have to say oh, it's really you. really fantastic so i would recommend haven't finished it yet <laughs> It's quite long, yeah. um, but I will finish it, and that is yeah. the that's the exciting thing. What 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 made you want to? Well, you done you done this? Was it a young person's novel, the first novel, or was it? Yeah, the first one was called Talk of the Town. Yeah. It was a, a sort of a coming of age story. Um, again, similar kind of humour, you know, that kind of dark humour. The deadpan tone was probably there as well, but it was about a sort of a tortured young man who was trying to, you know figure out what to do with his life this is slightly different i mean it's sort of on the surface it's sort of a um crimey i guess a kind of a murder mystery as you yeah. say but i think it has layers like i think it is an it is an observation of small town yeah. piety uh it, it's satirical in places it's um you know like 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 english towns you know people are are keeping up appearances all the time uh you know people are people kind of you know are kind of humble uh, 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 they're very civil to each other, but you know, there's this really dark undercurrent. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, some, something that inspired me would, would have been something like Fargo. You know, when I watched Fargo, the, the Coen Brothers movie, the first time, I thought that's really familiar to me. You know, yeah. it's like, like I could identify with that. The humor, the tone, the, the you know, the gruesome violence. You know, you know, you, yeah. you know. I remember as a kid, you go to these nightclubs and things, and you'd be just shocked by the violence. You know, just. And then the next day, you know, everyone was really meek and humble again and going about their business. So, yeah. you know, that, there was always that undercurrent. In small towns everywhere, all over the world, we had the extra little dimension in the border region where you had this kind of paramilitary thing in the background. Yeah. So then you had that kind of culture, of slight culture of fear and, and the omerta, you know. So, so that just gives it a, a little bit of a... I think an extra dimension or whatever. Yeah, I think you know, it's something, something else to be worried about. Yeah, it's something that you know people in England and you know the mainland UK don't really know much about beyond you know the obvious yeah. stuff. So it is really interesting to to get in, immersed in that world. Your dad was a politician, right? In yeah, so, you, so you've kind of got personal experience of that. The fears and the, the bomb scares and that. Yeah, of well, I mean, I mean, I had a really happy childhood, and you know that that part of the world was 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 safe, and I mean, it was relatively safe. But ten miles away, it wasn't. Right. Uh, just across the border, the other side, and so as a kid, like you were just really aware. You know, you you know, I, I watched the news avidly as a kid, and I read the papers. I used to run home from school and primary school to read the newspapers, and from cover to cover, I was just a really old-fashioned kid. And <laughs> uh, and then you turn on the nightly news, and right throughout the seventies. And into the 80s, like, 
like it was literally carnage every night, a car bomb or um, people shot in their beds. Or, and this was right across the border. These were people who looked like me and, 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 and you, know, um, uh, you know, I could really identify with it. And my father was from that part of the world, so he would have known some of these people personally. And um, so, you know, you were always very touched by that. And I was always, like from an early age, I was shocked that people could go on about their business while this was happening just down the road. Yeah. And so there was, a, there was a touch of people putting their head in the sand about things like that. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't really impinge that much on the book. Like, no. you know, you know the, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's, it, it, was it something you've all, you know, was it something you're always doing with the writing or is it because you've done so much acting and comedy and stand-up, which is still writing? Yeah, uh, <laughs> so people don't people don't realise necessarily. But was it something that you was you you've been harbouring a wish to do all this time, or is it you just had? Was it did you just have time to do this suddenly, or was it something that's been I think, working? Like on? as you say, I mean, the starting point for for for, for a stand up show is 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 the writing, yeah. and, and, and you know, so I don't think it's unusual for for stand ups to try to you know try their hand at, at long form writing, you know, whether that's a film script or a TV script or in this case a novel. Um, my first novel I, was, 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 yeah, it was always something I wanted to do from an early age. Long before I discovered stand-up, you know, I would have been writing. So I would have been doodling from an early age, like from the age of 12 or 13, mm-hmm. writing little short stories, uh, poems, as you do, uh, which your goal was. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, I remember after the fir- I think it was after the first series of Father Ted, where I took six months off, like, uh, you know, at least six months off to to write my first novel because it was something I always wanted to do. It's what I thought I was going to do with my life. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, like so many people, you get seduced by stand-up, the immediacy of it all. Of it all. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the kind of, you know, stand-up is pretty cool in a way as well, you know, and, and, and you get to travel and, you know, it's, it, and you get the instant gratification. Um, so, you know, I put off the novel for as long as possible. Plus, like, you know, because we have this reverence for writers in Ireland as well, you know, you kind of, you, you, you don't want to put yourself out there in that way either, you know, so you'd be reluctant to start. But eventually I did, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I was hugely satisfied with the first novel. But, and then I tried to write a second one not long after that, and I failed miserably. I, I, I kind of stopped and started it too many times, and the tone went all over the place, and I never got to grips with it. Right. Um, so, and that kind of set me back, a, you know, a long way in terms of writing. And so... About six or seven years ago, I again took six months off. I hired an office and I wrote an outline for this novel. And I always wanted to sort of write, like it's not strictly speaking a genre novel, but I always wanted to sort of play with the tropes of crime fiction because I love crime fiction. I always have done since I was a kid. And I I, I had at the end of that what I thought was a fairly decent first draft and then I kind of left it because I got the job in the Caribbean, Death in Paradise. So I didn't get back to it for four or five years. And then, uh, and then the pandemic happened. So, and I was kind of looking around for, you know, something to do. And, and, and you know, that was, that was staring me in the face. And when I, when I opened it up, I was really pleasantly surprised by how well developed it was at the time. And, um, you know, I just kind of tore into it and, and um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, writing a stand-up show is one thing. It's, there's a complexity to writing any book, I think, but a novel like this as well. And there's a lot of characters and there's, it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of backstory. Yeah, you, so got, it's, you, it's a, you have to keep a lot of detail in your head yeah. all the time. So, yeah, it's a huge effort of concentration. Yeah. It's, it's extreme. You know, looking at Richard Osman, 
<laughs> You'd like could take a take a quarter of Richard yeah. Osman. Yeah, be happy with a quarter. Yeah, take a hundred though. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's not really that type of. In fact, it was quite quite well. It's not really that funny, but. Um, <laughs> When uh, I was showing it to a few publishers at the time, uh, the feedback I was getting from one or two was, could it be more like Richard Osman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's better. It's better than Richard Osman. I love Richard Osman's books. It's, 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 it's really good. Um, it's, do, I recommend it. Brew her heart. Do, uh, do read it. I'm going to ask you a new emergency question. Adrian Charles has a urinal in his bathroom at home. What is the most unexpected item in your house? Or if you don't have anything in any celebrity's house you've been in? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, a piranha. Um, you got a piranha or someone else does? It's, it's a dead piranha, I have. You have I a have. dead piranha? Yeah. It smells. Does it? Uh, <laughs> no. Um, oh, God. Uh, well, I, it depends what you think is unusual. I mean... It does, but that's, you know, Adrian Charles doesn't think it's unusual to have a urinal in his own house. It's, it, I, I, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty... Think it's a good idea? I think it's a good idea. I don't I think do. it's a good no? idea. I'm very much for men sitting down to wee. Well, it's not so much that. I, 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 like, I, I just love a bit of porcelain. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's a nice object. It's a nice... I'm not sure it is. You know shape. it's covered in piss, right? It's not that nice. It's not that nice. Mm. Not that it flushes apparently. Oh. It, can, it can flush it. As long as you don't have those horrible like discs, those kind of yeah, little urinal cakes. Yeah, is that what they're called? <laughs> the urinal cakes. Oh yeah, yeah. okay. Should try one. Give lurid me... yellow. Yeah, try mm. one. They're nice. They taste. They taste pretty yeah. good. Um, I'll ask you another emergency question. If all the art galleries and museums in the world said we love my hero, it's our favourite show. <laughs> And we'd like to give you one. <laughs> we'd like to give you one, or any of your work. Then we'd like to give you one item from any museum or art gallery in the world, and you can take it home and have it. What would you like to have? Oh, mm. what would I like to have from any art gallery in the any world? Any art gallery or museum. It can be an artifact. It can be a painting. It can be a sculpture. Oh, um, it could be a, a Picasso or anything. It could be Picasso. Could it? Yeah, it could be anything that's uh... in the museum. I would probably take something like uh, the Edward Munch okay. work, The Scream or something like that. I actually, my, the wallpaper on my phone is another Edward Munch painting of people on, on, a, on a key, on a, okay. in, a, in a little port. He should have put the screen bloke in it, shouldn't it? That's yeah. what, if I'd been Edward Munch, I'd have put that screen bloke in everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why. That's what, that, was but, uh, his, that was his gimmick. He should have stuck with that. Whatever yeah. he's drawing, that bloke should have been in the corner somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> That was the successful yeah. one. Uh, or a, or a, 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 van, a Van Gogh. Yeah. Van. Which, which Van Gogh would you like? Um, well, any, any of them. Uh, yeah, I'm not fussy. <laughs> Good. Um, Ardell, if you could go in like a caterpillar, go into a chrysalis, and you could come out as anything you wanted to be, anything. Right? It could be you with attributes, or it could be something else, it could be something that's not yeah, even an like animal. This. What would, you, what would you like to come out of? What would you like to change and what would you come out as? I would like to come out as water. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of a question is that? It's a good question. <laughs> what kind of an answer is that? Water, why would you, what would you do if you were some water? I would be drank by somebody. <laughs> is that what you want? Yes. Okay. We've learned a and lot about you. part of them. Wow. 
and then they'd piss me out and I would <laughs> end what, up somewhere else. What if it's Adrian Charles and you end up in this? You're right. <laughs> Could be a terrible, terrible thing. Um, like me, you've presented Top of the Pops and ah. yet have not yet gone to prison. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How did, you, how did you feel presenting Top of the Pops? Was that a big deal? Oh, yeah, absolute highlight. Absolute yeah. highlight of my life. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It was just... I couldn't believe it, actually. It was just, it was just great. I remember what I was wearing. I had a terrible haircut, and I was wearing a blue velvet jacket. I thought, I'm on Top of the Pops. It's got to be blue velvet. Was it just you presenting the whole episode? Or yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember who was on. Anyone good? Blur were on. Oh, that's pretty good. But I was cheeky because at the time... Blur were kind of name-checking this great American indie band, Pavement, all the time. So uh, I, I introduced them as Pavement. Oh, I mean Blur. And uh, that was a bit bold. Yeah. Uh, and who else was on? Um, the Orb. Oh, that's all right. Remember The Orb? I do, yeah. Yeah. Bush. Yeah. It was a good night. It was good. Yeah. Very good. good we lineup. had and Scatman, then was John, and Robson and Jerome were on that... <laughs> I think Polk did one. It's Chair did one of the ones I did. E17. We were rude, okay, we were rude okay. about E17 to the front of their stupid faces. Yeah. Um, it's funny. It's, I sort of think I would like to have known I was going to be... When I was at school, if the people had known <laughs> I was going to present Top of the Pops... Did you track them down I would and have been write ab- to them and tell them? I would have been absolutely the last person. If you'd been at school with a thousand people, you said, name in order who you think will present Top of the Pops yeah. out of the people in this school. Yeah. I would have been, you know, second yeah. last, yeah. I think. But don't you think that that would be true of a lot of comedians, actors, yeah. musicians? There were, there were kind of... I think part of the problem was we were, we were disregarded as <laughs> children. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It's, you know, it's sort of so far... I was so uncool and I was... I'm, I'm, I'm still not that. I'm still not that. <laughs> still not that interested in music. But it would just be so... Un- you know, if, uh, Joanna Thompson knew that I was going to present. She'd know. If you're listening, Joanna. Oh, no, sorry, I'm married. Yeah. <laughs> um, and- I, I remember there was... Uh, so there's a great show in Ireland called The Late Late Show. It's one of the, probably the longest-running chat show in the world, or that's how it sells itself. And when we were kids, like, it's the equivalent of being knighted in, in this country, getting on The Late Late Show. And I just won that Hackney Empire New Act of the Year competition. And I was invited on to do five minutes of stand-up on the late, late. So this was the biggest day of my life at that point in terms of career. And this was my chance to prove to Joanna Thompson's (laughs) of this world, like how wrong they were about me. And all the people at home who didn't believe in me or just couldn't believe that he's a comedian. (laughs) What? And uh, uh, the night I was on, kind of just my luck in a way, the the main topic for discussion that night was murder. So... (laughs) What you had was you had the relatives of people who had been butchered. There's no other way of putting it. Uh, butchered in quite a spectacular fashion. And, and these were all high-profile stories in Ireland at the time. And, and uh, so I go on there and I start doing... I used to have this routine about how sheep get a lot heavy when they're wet. When they, uh, <laughs> but... You know how, it, like, so they, they'd gone on for an hour telling their stories, and, and the whole nation was crying. You know, the studio audience was crying. The, the host, a guy called Gay Byrne, legendary host, brushes a tear away from his eye and says, Now, after all that, I think we all need a bit of a laugh. 
and he introduced me and I did my sheep stuff. Uh, and uh, everyone's just looking at me. <laughs> oh. um, my audience will be very excited to have you here because of you played... You were on Doctor Who playing a cat trapped on a motorway. Mm-hmm. Have I got that right? You have, yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. And a bloody good episode it was too. <laughs> Russell Davis, uh, 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 um, it was one of his episodes that, yeah. he, that he wrote and it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, really uplifting story. Uh, I was a cat creature. Took hours, five, six hours to get into the cat costume. Yeah. And I remember they had to glue my face with two types of industrial glue to keep it on for <laughs> okay. the day. And I was wearing contact lenses and they popped out because I was so stretched that they literally, like in a cartoon, just my old <laughs> lenses went boing, boing. Um, uh, but it was, it was fantastic. David Tennant era. Okay. Did, it, it's been referred to, I think, in other episodes. It, it's quite a, it doesn't look like you, does it? Because it's a cat. It is a cat. It sounds it be, like me, though. Yeah. And there is a model of my character. Is there? Brannigan the cat, yeah. 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 Okay. It's, it's so cool. I mean, oh, yeah. And you I was were, only in it, like, for about five minutes. Okay. You're married to a human woman. Yes, but we have cat been, children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a good... And, and there, there was... One of, the, the other, one of the other things I remember about it... I remember it being a really great episode, but uh, there, is a, there is a very uplifting hymn at the end, the old rugged cross, which, right. is a, which I think is a Welsh hymn. Yeah. And so all the characters in it... And there was a huge range of characters in it, all trapped in this... Uh, traffic jam on a on a motorway like maybe a 20 lane motorway uh, so everyone sings so the end is this rendition of of the old rugged cross but we all went in to record it individually after the event and I can't sing <laughs> and it was so embarrassing I was singing the old rugged cross and the two studio engineers were under the desk <laughs> laughing their holes off <laughs> that's my memory of Doctor Who <laughs> Um, and the, the, my hero was again you know, costume-wise was quite demanding, wasn't it? The, you kind of put in these situations, like the, the you had to wear a visor or something that was you couldn't see yeah. through, um, and you, you had to change in and out of the costume a lot. Is what I read that it was quite difficult to change in and out of the costume. Well, there was a there was a thong involved, which okay. had to be surgically removed at the end of the night. <laughs> uh, no, it was it was uh, it was well, I had a. A, a costume made, made out of lead. They weren't my real muscles, okay? Oh, they not? Okay. You just wanted me to <laughs> come clean about that, okay? No, that was a very enjoyable show to do. BBC primetime sitcom. Yeah. We did five series of that. And uh, then it went on and did more series. You, you, you changed over to James They did Travis. one more after I left, more, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't as good. <laughs> it wasn't as good as you had. <laughs> Not like Ralph Little. Ralph Little's really made that part. Yeah, own. yeah. <laughs> I, um, I can't agree more. <laughs> Is it? Was it? Was it like a? Was that? It was obviously like quite a, a, a little way away from Father Ted. Was it? Was it a sort of? Were you trying to? Were you getting offered the similar sort of roles to Father Ted at that point? Um, not. not. I mean, not really. I mean, for a long time, I, I, I was like any. It's not that I was offered a huge amount of roles or anything, but I mean, any, any roles I were, you know, I was offered after Father Ted and My Hero, and kind of one thing leads to another, and you end up doing similar types of roles. Yeah. So I, I made a big effort at one stage to do theatre. I'd never done theatre growing up or, or in my twenties, and then, you know, I just really was curious about theatre, and I, and I, and I, and in theatre, you know, 
you, you do get a little bit more scope or people will take a chance on you more, you know, to do something a bit different. So I did three or four plays over a period of about five or six years. And, um, you know, I really, really enjoyed it. And I was able to sort of, you know, I think finally call myself an actor. You know, I, I, it wasn't until I did that, 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 you know, I think you have to overcome certain things when you're, when you're known purely as a sitcom actor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 hard to, it's hard to go to the next level, I think, yeah. you know. Um, and, you know, I was always curious as to what else was out there. So I think, I think doing plays for me was great. And I think since then, people have been looking at me in slightly different ways. And, you know. You've sort of done everything. It's, you know, that's what's, you know, you've always worked and you've always you've tried different different things and been successful in all the things. So it's, you know, it's an ideal career, really, isn't it? And you, you, you're constantly working, well, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> are you going to you going to do more stand up? Yeah, I still really last... enjoy. The last stand up I did was Friday night. Uh, yeah. uh, lovely little gig in a seaside town in Ireland and uh, in a disused church or a deconsecrated church. And it was absolutely beautiful. I mean, I, I really do love stand-up um, as much as ever now, I would say. Um, I toured right up to March 2020 until the, wor- you know, the world shut down. And since then, I'd, I've done a few Zoom gigs and a few little gigs here and there. But I, I really do love it. I mean, it's, I think it does help not to be doing it all the time. And then only to do it when you, you, know, you really want to do it. And, and you, know, you, you kind of treasure those moments on stage. It's sort of, it's interesting the way you know the, the way you can you might you might have just been a stand up you might have moved you know the way things just happen and and yeah. move about and it's kind of you know it would have been that would have been fantastic as well but with you it just seems so there's so many opportunities films and you know theatre yeah. and TV it's, it's, well I mean it's a, it's a kind of a combination of of like drifting from one thing to another or, you know what what you know what materialises and kind of going in that direction and occasionally then. Just you know, giving yourself a jolt and and trying something a bit different, yeah. and you know, taking a chance. Like you know, I'm very nervous about my novel coming out. Like it's 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 kind of nerve wracking to have that out there because you don't know how people are going to judge it. No. Uh, but you know, you gotta you gotta take a chance. You know, you you, you only get one shot at these things, and you know. Did I read somewhere you say you kind of wanted to do you want to do everything if you can with life? That like you sort of see life as being this. You know, you if you could try everything, yeah, you would. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Just do as you know, have as many different experiences as as possible. Yeah, because we're getting older, aren't we? That's what we were talking about backstage. Yeah. You know, there's you suddenly. I think you sort of realise there's limit. There's a limited amount of time left. There's a limited yeah. amount of which, when you're only thirty or twenty, you don't even really think. about Yeah, it concentrates when, the mind, all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and lockdown did that. I think the well. pandemic did that absolutely yeah. for loads of people. Yeah, you know. And so, what? What do you, do you would you? Are you just going to try and keep doing everything? Do you want to move into writing, or do you want to carry on? You, you're, I know you're filming something at the moment, so you're doing more acting. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah. No, it's it's trying to keep the plate spinning. Yeah. I mean, that's you know. I mean, I love the acting. I you know, I'd love to do more of that, more of the straight acting. Uh, you know, working with great people. You know, you know. I, I mean, part of the attraction is not quite knowing what's what's next uh, but I, you know I, I also love writing love stand up as well so you know it's it's trying to keep it all going i mean it sounds like, sometimes it sounds when you're in an environment like this where you're talking about your career it sounds like you're doing an awful lot but like i have a lot of downtime I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well look um it's been really lovely to uh, see you again and have you on um uh, do buy Ardell's book you won't regret it it's called brew ha ha um it's very exciting. I can't wait to find out what happens. Mm, I'll tell you after. Oh, tell me after. 
Don't spoil it. It's Save really good. The bother. It's, it's really genuinely brilliant. Um, and um, thank you so much for coming on and do the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, good. the amazing Arlo Hanlon. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Arlo Hanlon. Thank you to Scant Regard, who play the music for these credits and do nothing else. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. I'm indebted to Chris Evans, not that one. Thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre, of course, for their fantastic help, and all of the Sky Potato crew as well. I'm also indebted to our Kickstarter backers, who are... I'll put my glasses on. Phil Shoebridge, Mark R., that Chris Evans, yeah, that one. Moira Tullock, Dr. Nathan Flood, Rich John... Simon, average audience member, Masterton, Finton Demodi, Alistair Cross, Rob Baird, James Barter, Dave McCarroll, Liam, my apprentice stalker, Andrew Dolphin, Lucy Rainsford, Freddie Rayfield, Michael Sophie and Alice Sage, John J.T. Taylor, more like John I.T. Taylor, am I right, kids? Daniel Smith, Tamsin Porter, Knut Olle Nastrid Strom, Ian, the main man, Adrian Demeken, or Adrian Domican, I always get it wrong, it's one of those two, in memory of the late, great Andy Burr, Kate McKeegan, Raina Simpson, Stuart of Shrewsbury, late Latterly Hastings Burroughs, Burroughs, David David Gilmartin, Hector Maroon, Steve Lowe, Ian Thompson, Christine Francescani, Spanglecock Bobblehead, (laughs) Donald Fallon, Phil Moss Harmonica Boss, uh, and this is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFastTheStripe.com production. Head to RichardHerring.com slash gigs to find out when Rahalastapart is coming to a venue near you. We are back at the Edinburgh Fringe and we'll be back at the Leicester Square Theatre in September, October and November. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. RichardHerring.com slash Rahalastapata slash tour for all guest info and links. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the, on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye.